few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to this week's episode of the It's Utah's World podcast. The band is back. Steve Bartle is here. Steve, how What's are you? What's up, Tom? Hey. Man, it's good to be back. Oh, it's so good to see you, man. Uh, a couple things. We're live today at Nate Wade Subaru, and we appreciate them for having us, uh, of course. Uh, as always, just a uh, well, handful of blocks, really, from the downtown Salt Lake City metropolitan area. Um, they, they've got some crazy deals. And let's get to that quickly uh, before we get into the juicy stuff. Not that this isn't juicy, but uh, you can shop from home. If you don't want to come down to the dealership, you can shop from home. Just go to nateway.com. Uh, delivery and pickup options available. You can even do... This is quite remarkable. And I don't know how they do this, but you can even do an at-home test drive. Ooh. Which is quite unique, wow. I think. Zero uh, percent APR financing, you name it. They're here. Hey, and uh, to try and give you guys a better I- idea, to paint a better picture for you, cars are, cars are selling, man. Uh, I rolled in here, Steve, and I immediately noticed that the lot here at Nate Wade Subaru <laughs> is starting to empty. They are selling more cars than they can get their hands on. So uh, if you're in the market for a car, just swing on down Nate Wade Subaru and uh, and see what they have available. But they're, they're, they're selling cars, so you got to be pretty quick about it. All right, uh, if, we, if we sound a little muffled today... We apologize, but mm-hmm. I, I think this is the sensible and smart thing to do, Steve, and that is to wear a face mask while we do that. Now, we are outside, and we are six feet apart from one another, but 911 cases today in Yikes. Utah. It is Thursday, September 17th, and uh, so better to be safe than sorry. Yes. And if the quality is not quite as good as it normally is, we apologize for that but there is a lot of stuff to get to man the last what 24 48 hours has been intense you came in here and i was like thinking to myself steve you need you need some caffeine man yeah yeah bad it's uh it's been a whirlwind to say the least the last 24 to 48 hours i'm sure i look pretty tired a little heavy in the eyes i'm sure i've got some rings going but how late did you stay up to last night? you know i stayed up in in the wee mornings of the a.m that's for sure i don't know exactly when i went to bed but it was pretty late it was pretty late. And I was so, watching the reruns of NFL Live from 2 p.m. And I think 2 a.m. I think is what I was watching. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad, Tom. You know, but yesterday was so absurd. Yesterday was crazy. I don't recall a day like yesterday since, even since Pac-12 
and Utah since that whole thing was going down 10 years ago. I agree with you. Steve, so uh, help me out, would you? Uh, try and figure this whole, this, this whole thing out because I've been busy with, uh, well, the U.S. Open. The golf, golf? is going on right now. Yeah. So I've, tried, yeah. I've been trying to balance the two. And uh, obviously Tony Finau, Preston Summerhays, the youngest in the field, is partaking in that. It's been a blast to, uh, to track it all on. But this is my understanding of how yesterday unfolded. So uh, Larry Scott... Had a meeting with... So the Big Ten decided they were going to come back. Yes. That was, I guess, the first thing to fall. First thing. First domino. And then you thought, okay, the Pac-12 surely is going to follow here any time now. And then news came out that Larry Scott had spoken to Governor Newsom and Governor Brown from California and Oregon, respectively. And to kind of give you guys a quick update, the rules that were set in place, the regulations, restrictions, whatever you want to call them, in those two states were essentially no... no, no practice of more than 12 people allowed right which can't, is very hard yes yeah and can't, what? can't get in groups of of larger than 12 yes and they have to be the same individuals every time you're on the field so you can't mix and match and that kind of thing so it makes it very difficult to practice football yes because football there uh, requires 22 22 players on a field yeah, yeah. So, uh, or at least 11 at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, you, you can't be going up against air because it just doesn't prepare you well enough. We saw that with the BYU-Navy game. Navy game, yes. yeah. yeah. And, and so anyway, then Newsom came out and said that there's nothing in the guidelines that are stopping you from playing. Ooh. And Larry Scott said, well, hold your horses. <laughs> this is what are in your guidelines and the, the 12 people thing. And, and they said, well, how, how are we meant to go about that? And so then, where did it go from there? So from so from there, basically, Gavin Gavin Newsom essentially just threw the Pac-12 under the bus, saying, "Look, like, no, like, there's nothing in state guidelines that prohibits you from playing football, except for these rules about practicing and collecting in groups, right?" And so from there, like, like I just remember the reaction on Twitter was just, "What, like." What I, is going I remember on? seeing that and just been like, how messy is this going to You know, get? And, and, you know, luckily in the Pac-12, we've got great reporters, you know, on, on the West Coast. John Wilner was on top of things. John Canzano was on top of things as well. Um, and basically broke it down where the rules kind of just make it pretty clear that, yeah, no, we can't play football, unlike <laughs> what Gavin Newsom said. And then, I can't remember the time frame here, but... Oregon Governor Katie Brown, Kate Brown, or whatever her name is, basically like threw Larry Scott and the Pac-12 under the bus again, saying like, "We've got nothing. We've got nothing on paper, nothing written uh, from the Pac-12 in regard in regards to their plans to uh, to return to the field." So, you know. I have a hard time because I understand how frustrating it's been for, for Utah fans, for Pac-12 fans, for fans that just want football because it seems like Larry Scott has just been sitting on his hands doing nothing. And, you know, I, I don't really want to argue that. Maybe he has. But what what happened yesterday, I feel really bad because he got thrown under the bus. And maybe that's what needed to happen to get things going. But, man, like... That was rough to watch for him in the Pac-12. Like, it was embarrassing almost. But at the end of the day, it sounds like we're going to get football back. 
So, you know? It does sound like, and the the whole Quidel Corporation, the the, the rapid testing is going to come into play. That was something that came into play a few weeks ago. We're starting to hear more and more about that, and supposedly uh, reports are now surfacing that those systems, testing systems, are going to be on every campus within uh, just a handful of weeks, by the end of September. By the end of September. Is what they're saying, and and, and so uh, that's kind of cool, because that'll certainly go a long way. And that's been kind of where I've been at this entire time, is, you know... Obviously, the cases need to go down, and that's uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. obvious and self-explanatory. Wear a mask, socially distant. Don't get your, don't put yourself in bad situations, and be sensible. Like it's not right. rocket science. Don't yeah, go, don't go partying. Don't go to parties yeah. without masks yeah, on. I mean, on, it, come on, like it's not that hard, people. It's and it's not permanent. That's the other thing. It's 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 for a small period of time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we don't need to go there. That's probably just upsetting people that are anti-maskers, but that's all right. Um, uh, wh- wh- where was I going with all that? Uh, yeah, basically, like, we're getting football back, and we... Oh, uh, I was talking about the, 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 sis- the testing system. The testing system, I've yes. always said that if you, can, if you can test players and coaches and key personnel yes. and get results within 15, 30 minutes, you can play football it's right. possible and it seems like that's going to be case so steve there's going to be a coaches a pack 12 coaches meeting tomorrow on friday at 11 a.m. pacific time which would be noon mountain mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. where the the coaches are scheduled to meet uh, to learn more about what's next for the conference uh, now bruce feldman this is interesting Bruce Feldman, for those that don't know, he does spectacular work for the game of college football. Yes, he does. He's a member of The Athletic, uh, and he does uh, work for Fox, as, as well as some mm-hmm. other outlets, I'm sure. He put out a piece today on The Athletic titled, When is it realistic for the Pac-12 to start playing football? Uh, the complications surrounding playing football in the Pac-12 seem to be far more difficult to muster than... The Big Ten, uh, and it's it's interesting because within the article, there are coaches that are, be, uh, are quoted within the article, uh, and 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 some of the stuff that they're talking about is is very, very interesting. For example, one Pac-12 coach said, "Quote to play football, you actually have to practice football. Forget scheme. Our guys are basically doing combine training." Right. But that doesn't get you ready to play games, and, and he makes a very interesting point. So you've yeah. got you've got the government guideline restrictions that it seems like uh, are going to be overturned. Mm-hmm. You've got the Quidel system testing systems that are seemingly working in favour now of the Pac-12 conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then let's uh, are we all forgetting? Uh, how the players got together a couple months ago and said, hey, 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 if you want us to play, here are certain guidelines that we're going to operate with. And do you think for a second that even if the restrictions in, in California and Oregon get overturned, the testing systems come onto campuses and, and, and work with an accurate uh, reading on, on the virus? Like, like Players, I don't think, are just going to be like, oh, here we go. Let's just go out and play. Do you think that's where they're at? Man, I <laughs> that's an interesting question because we haven't heard from players that that really kind of started that movement, right? Like we haven't heard from from players. Players haven't chimed in that that kind of initiated the movement. Uh, 
and not just in the Pac-12. I mean, we're talking Big Ten. We're talking the Mountain West Conference. All of these conferences that had players talking about we are united. Uh, we just we haven't seen it. I think the big thing, and this is something that Nick Ford harped on uh, every time he was on social media, every time he talked about it, was just providing a safe environment for his 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 brothers, his teammates. Um, and I think with the daily testing that they now have available to them, you know, I think that's what they want above all else to ensure that they have a safe environment to play football. I think that outside of all the demands for, for social reform, like I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Like fight for that, fight for, for whatever you want to financial stuff. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, but I think as long as there's dialogue between the Pac-12 and the players for promoting uh, social reform, whatever that may be, and I don't want to go down that that too too far, but I do think that the players are are on board with this. I think now that they've got the testing, I think players are going to feel quite a bit safer knowing that they'll be tested each and every day, and and uh, I think we can can move forward um, with that understanding. I agree. And I think it's also uh, fascinating, the assumption from everybody, uh, and including myself, really, was that the coaches, they want to play. Every single coach wants to play. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. And the reason I say that is because I want to read part of this article from uh, Bruce Feldman. He he says, uh, quote, a veteran Pac-12 assistant coach at a different school said he's concerned about his players not being ready for the physical toll the game demands. Quote, we are way behind strength-wise. Our strength coach doesn't think we could play till the middle of November. Woof. Uh, and then it go, he goes on to say, I-, I thought a start date of December 5th was pushing it, one of the Pac-12 head coaches said when being asked about reports of a possible late October start. Quote, it's a, it's a one-off year. Let's do what's right for our kids in our conference. We're going to take a lump. Let's not take two lumps. So this, this meeting tomorrow, Friday, September 18th, set for noon o'clock mountain time, is going to be very telling mm-hmm. to see what the future holds, the immediate future holds for the Pac-12 conference. Uh, because I, I think everybody's assuming the coaches want to play, Steve. But that might not be the case based on what Bruce Feldman's reporting today. Yeah, that, that quote is interesting. He doesn't, you know, you're already taking one lump, you don't want to take two. <laughs> I kind of view that as, well, if you're not going to be ready, if you're not going to play, you're missing out on on a potential college football playoff. Like to me, if you're going to play at all, you play to at least have a chance at a college football playoff berth. You don't want to eliminate yourself from that conversation by eliminating yourself <laughs> from 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 competing for it. You know, so it's just I I. I get his concern because obviously you're behind the eight ball. You've you haven't had time to properly prepare. You want to do what's best for the kids, uh, but I, I think a month uh, for each and every program, and that's the thing that we've got to remember is that these programs, most of these programs, are essentially in the same boat here. I I think Utah is they've had quite a few of their guys on campus doing training and that kind of stuff, working through the strength and conditioning program. But I think for the most part, I know UCLA has still have been having kids uh, coming in through workouts in their cohorts of 12 or less. Um, you know, and so I do think that 
it that was, that's just an interesting quote to to not take one lump don't take two lumps whatever he, whatever he he said i think if if you're going to try and play a fall football season you need to give your guys every opportunity to make the most of it and i think having an opportunity at the college football playoff you have to be willing to concede time to ramp up physically to practice um and i think that's kind of going to be the hot topic tomorrow in this uh coaches conversation in the the pac-12 ceo group conversation is how much time are we willing to concede to make this college football season happen can we start at the end of october what do we need to do between now and then to make that happen well i think you know a large portion as you mentioned of the conference has their guys on campus mm-hmm. practicing but again as i go back to bruce feldman this this article that he's put out he he reports that a large portion of the stanford roster isn't on campus right and when the cardinal get the green light to practice that will mean bringing back players from all around the country. Oregon to Oregon is kind of in that same boat as well. Okay, and then they're going to have to go through a five-day quarantine before mm-hmm. they can even begin any form of workout. And if you're look, uh, and here's the deal uh, from a from part previous experiences that I've had uh, during a quote normal year without a pandemic, we would get the players would get the month of May off, right? And so I was able to go back home for about three four weeks and spend that time with my family back in the motherland Australia. And during that time, they would give you a pretty pretty in-depth book uh, with workouts that they would like you to kind oh, of nice. do. Because the, you, it's very dangerous to be working out and then stop for an entire month and then come back and get thrown back down into right. the deep. And that's how, that's how some severe injuries occur. Now, that doesn't mean I did workouts when I went home to Australia, <laughs> but... The, the, Still, there is, you had the book. I had the book, man. Yeah. Uh, I showed the people the book. You know, I was like, hey, look hey, what they got to do. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least I'm thinking about starting now-ish. Anyway, <laughs> it, it takes some time. Oh, like, absolutely. there's a reason. There has to be a reason, because I've never really understood, but there's a reason why winter conditioning happens in the middle of January. Right. Because the build-up is so drastic, and these kids, the pressure... The, the physical pressure they put their bodies under is so immense that you can't... It's not a sport like the game of basketball where you can probably get ready in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of conditioning, do some ball drills, some handles, work on your shot, and then, okay, throw yourself out there. And, you know, it might not be the prettiest, but right. you, you're probably not going to tear an ACL right. or, or do something serious. But football's not that way. It is such a physical sport. and. You, you have to prepare your body for it. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we got the case study of that in the BYU-Navy game. We keep bringing that up. Um, but you saw the difference in a team that prepared for football, which was BYU. They did what they were supposed to do uh, and practiced how they were supposed to practice to play the game of football, where you had Navy that did not. And they got the, the living tar beat out of them, right? And, and I think that's kind of the worry i assume um you you want to make sure that these guys are are conditioned not just from a a uh a fitness point of view but you got to be conditioned to the physicality to the mental parts of the game 
Like those are all things that you get conditioned to when you're in fall camp, when you're, you know, building your body up. Those are all things that these guys are going to have to, you know, if they want to play at the end of October, they're going to get a crash course, crash, crash course. That's really hard to say when you got a mask on, <laughs> uh, on, on getting reacclimated in the game of football. It's going to be, you know, like, I would love to be a fly on the wall in this coaches meeting tomorrow, just to hear the back and forth between the coaches. Um, would love nothing more than to, to see yeah. who's saying what and what they're saying. You'd pay a lot of money. Um, there's another talking point that's that's worthy of a conversation, Steve, and that is if the conference does find a way to begin towards the end of October, then they would have roughly two months, actually just shy of two months, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, until December 20th. Right. Uh, and, and for those in the know, December 20th is a rather important date Very. in the college football world, as that is the final college football playoff announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the reasons the Pac-12 is trying to bring, one of the very many reasons the Pac-12 is doing everything they can to bring the sport of college football out on the West Coast back is, you know, hopefully the, somebody like, you know, Oregon is probably the favorite out of the conference to make a push for that Final Four playoff position. And there's a lot of money involved if you can make the playoff. Um, and so how, how are they going to be able to put enough games on paper and play enough football games for the for the committee to to say okay I think Oregon or whoever you know has a spectacular year in the conference th- this is the reason we should bring them back because they're 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 running out of time and you've yeah. got to assume that there may be a postponement or two of games right. but you you can't afford that if you start at the end of October so it's a dangerous line that the Pac-12 is going to be floating with they put themselves in this position though haven't yeah. they yeah yeah no and that's kind of the thing is this is the product of decisions made last month and, and weeks before that and and you know while I, I felt bad for Larry Scott like at the same time like he's he's put the Pac-12 in this situation he had every opportunity to make decisions weeks ago and and just you know just hasn't so uh but anyways um uh yeah that December 20th date is important and I think like I said earlier if you're going to play a 2020 fall football season you want every opportunity, um, and that includes an opportunity to make the college football playoff. And so uh, you you hope, you would hope that the college football playoff committee would be willing to work with the Pac-12, maybe with the Big Ten and the other conferences, to push back that December 20th date, maybe a week to December 27th, or, or maybe a couple days even. Uh, you know where you can squeeze in a Pac-12 championship game that that December 19th, maybe an eighth game before then. But you would hope that the playoff committee would be willing to work with the conferences, understanding what this year has been like, and you you just cross your fingers that they'd be willing to work with them to provide them a little extra time, a week, ten days, whatever that may be. Uh, before making their college football playoff selection. And hell, who knows? We're talking about the Pac-12. Like Oregon's taking some hits with guys leaving, declaring, opting out of the year, and, and they were viewed as the Pac-12's best 
shot at a college football playoff team. But they should be able to come back. They sh- and they should unless they've signed unless they've right, signed with an agent. Unless they've signed with an agent. And I think in talking to to our contacts up in Oregon, it sounds like Penesul is not coming back regardless. But there's a possibility for a couple of the other players that have declared to come back. So you know who knows. But oh, really? That's interesting. Yes. Uh, so you know so. Who knows if, if the Pac-12 is even going to be in the conversation come December 20th. But still, you have to give yourself that opportunity. Uh, but, you, you again, just hope that the committee would be willing to be a little bit lenient and yeah. and work with the Pac-12 here. That, that is fascinating about Penn So And I wholeheartedly understand it. Oh, hell I mean, yeah. You know, top three pick. He's a top three pick. It'll be... I think it's fair to assume that Trevor Lawrence will go number one. Uh, he's a prodigy, and, and he plays the most important position on the football field at, at quarterback. But, but boy, I, I mean, you could make a really good argument that Penny Sills the second-best yep. prospect in that in that draft class. And, so, uh, and, and look, he's not making any money, man. He's, uh, you don't make yeah. money at college. What, why would you risk it? I mean, like, most college players are going to risk it. Mm-hmm. If the Pac-12 can figure out how to come back, but mm-hmm. there will be a handful, a few handful of guys that are going to be top draft picks. Then that, right. that say to themselves, "What am I doing? Like, why, why would I, I bother?" Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, anyway. So, and at the same time, we've already seen guys that opted out in the Big Ten come back. I think Wyatt Davis, the big-time offensive lineman at Ohio State, is coming back. Uh, so, the guys are coming back that that now have fall football seasons to play so it will be interesting to see uh there weren't too many players in the pac 12 that that opted out and declared for the draft so uh but uh but i think each one was a significant blow to their program and so that'll be something to monitor over the next few days and and week or so uh quick question for you do you think we do you does your gut tell you we get pac 12 football this this fall absolutely yeah absolutely i I uh, with everything that's gone on over the last two days, I, I fully expect there to be some sort of football played in 2020. Uh, will that? I guess the question is, will it be October or November when they start? I guess that's kind of the uh, if you if you want to play some money on it, you know, what's your over under type thing? Uh, I'm I you know cross our fingers. It's October 31st. Give yourself as much time as possible to get in as many games as you can and, and just give these guys a chance at a, a at a playoff berth. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And then I guess, you know, to to kinda to kinda uh, put a nail on this conversation if you will, do, do you think Larry Scott like how how many more years does he survive? Because he's, he's made Oh man. And I don't wanna be I, I don't wanna be too <laughs> rude because I his job's not easy. Let, no. Let's not beat around the bush. It's a very, but he gets paid four million bucks. Yeah. So it's you know, the, I don't have a ton of sympathy for him because he's making right. crazy coin. Right. But his job is hard, yeah. and maybe one of the reasons he does get paid the amount he does. Um, do you think he? Do you think he? He can't last that. He can't no. last that much longer. Can I don't. He? I don't think so either. I think a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a, he's a big. Uh, we call him Brown Bear. He's this big, big ginger yes, beard. Love yeah. Brownie, man. Yeah, Brownie. He's uh, he's you know good good people out there. Uh, you know, he made the comment that Larry Scott is performing at his job the way somebody who knows that their job is coming to an end, you know, that their their title is uh, is about to be removed. Uh, it just seems like Larry Scott is just kind of doing the bare minimum to get by. Um, 
until, you know, his contract is up, which is a shame because, you know, he has plenty of opportunities to win, you know, win over people. Like, you had an opportunity over the last few weeks to do something to, to get Pac-12 football back. I thought, you know, the, the Cordell Corp, the the pairing up with them and working with them, I thought that was a great step. But then it just nothing happened from that. So I, I it just feels like he's doing the bare minimum to get by collect his paycheck and then sail off into the sunset on his on his little yacht out there yeah uh, well it i mean that's something we're gonna have to keep an eye on i think personally um the first step they could take as a conference to just try and limit the amount of financial damage that this pandemic right. is, is having on them would be to move from to move out of San Francisco mm-hmm. the, the rent yeah, in San Francisco on. is incredibly high I mean what are we doing spending however many thousands of dollars on on rent in San Francisco why and I think personally and I'm trying not to be too biased here but I, I think Salt Lake City would be a phenomenal uh, place for the yeah. Pac-12. It's 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 a central su- in the Pac-12, somewhat central location. You've got it's a brand new airport that people love to fly into. Well, from the airport to the city, it's like <laughs> ten minutes maximum. It's not that far of a drive. Rent is you've cheap. got Pretty Bird, you know oh, downtown. Man. You know what are we talking the about? Mountains. Here? I mean, yeah. I, I, and again, I'm trying not to be cheap too biased. Golf, but it just feels like the Pac-12 could really flourish here uh and i've spoken to you know mike yam who was recently let go from the pac-12 network oh, shout out to mike yam big shout out to yammy we love him and and ashley adamson i know pretty well as well and i've had conversations over a few drinks with them before and they've kind of hinted towards me like yeah, yeah it's it's a great gig the pac-12 networks it really is and and if the opportunity ever arose it'd be very difficult for me to say no but at the same time it's like you, you have to live in san francisco and right how much money are you going to pay me so that I can afford so to I live in San Francisco? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, and all of that is really easily changed with just a quick move. Get out of the the office buildings yeah, come and, on. and come to Salt Lake City where, one, it's beautiful, two, it's central, three, it's cheap. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever... I don't know if it'll ever happen. I don't either. The Big Sky's headquartered here. Yeah, they're up just north. up by up, up 15, yeah. I think, just south of Lagoon. Yep. You can head up to Lagoon, take a ride on a roller coaster, head down to Big Sky headquarters, yes. have yourself a little meeting. You actually, you drive by it. It's on the right-hand side. Yeah. If you headed north up by 15, you drive right by it. and On the freeway. Yeah, it only took me, I don't know, seven years until I was driving one day. I was like, holy cow. It's... I did the same thing, like, last year. I was like, <laughs> hey, that's the Big Sky headquarters. Like, could you imagine that <laughs> oh, being the Pac-12? I had no idea. Yeah, that's I, great. I think if the Pac-12 were, were, were to move here, they'd move downtown Salt Lake City. I do, too. I don't, know. yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think they would be downtown for sure. Yeah. Anyway, Let's um, talk to, who can we talk to, Tom? Let's make this happen. Who can we talk to, Steve? Uh, I don't have Larry Scott's number, and I don't want it. Uh, but we're we <laughs> gonna have networks up there somewhere, man. We'll figure it out. We'll get back to you guys. Hey, uh, pretty big weekend for Utah football guys in the NFL, huh? Opening Holy weekend moly. in the NFL. And where do you want to start? Zach Moss is a good one. Zach Moss is a great one. He got the second touchdown of the Buffalo Bills 2020 season. Let's go. And he was—he didn't do a ton uh, running the rock. No, he—he he had a hard time. In fact, his first NFL carry ended up going uh, negative two yards, yeah. stuffed in the backfield. But uh, he was a threat in the passing game, wasn't he? Which is, which is pretty cool to see. And he—and he was pretty good at Utah. Although certainly, it didn't feel as though 
his pass catching was was maybe a strength of his. You know, his strength is is running the rock and yeah. and 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 deflecting tackles. And even when he has contact, he kind of finds a way to fall forward every time. Now it's a different beast in the NFL. I get that the bigger players are professionals, but to see him be so successful out of the backfield catching the football, I think that's. That's massive for somebody like Zach Moss, make him a little multidimensional yeah. and, and, and certainly very dangerous for the Bills. And that was the encouraging thing, too, is that Buffalo was willing to use him in more situations and more roles than just a goal line type of a guy. He was he was the guy, the first one on the field. He was working first, second, third downs. Like, he was catching passes out of the backfield. Buffalo, I think they've realized Zach Moss's full skill set. And I th- I'm excited to see him... And his usage kind of evolve over this season uh, because I, I think they realize they've got a good one in him. Yeah, I agree. Jalen Johnson, kind of the other standout, I think. Maybe more so than Moss. We yeah. can go back and forth debate on that, but we won't. Uh, Jalen Johnson had an interesting debut for the Bears. He started. There was an injury on that defense and at the cornerback position. So Jalen Johnson got thrown into the deep end and was asked to swim. And his, his night started a bit iffy, didn't it, where Marlon Jones ran right Ooh. through him and... The highlight uh, play or, or, or non-highlight play, I guess, low-light play. Low-light, yeah. Kind of cir- circulated the, the, the social media fear. And, uh, but it ended up really well. He had the uh, game-winning pass breakup uh, in the end zone. Matt yeah. Stafford trying to find, I think, Jones again. Uh, and, and Johnson was able to rise and get his right mitt to it and, and, and palm the ball out with uh, zeros on the clock. So... Yeah, and and even even before that, so he had the game-winning pass deflection, which ended it for the for the Lions. But he also had he was in great position, and I believe that he he was the one that actually deflected the pass that led to the interception for Kyle Fuller uh, that happened, I think, two possessions earlier. So he was he was great. I think he he impressed a lot of people. He impressed the right people. So he he looked good. Um, John Penasini up at Detroit was yeah, he pretty got solid, yeah. man. He uh, he looked like he belonged, which is all that matters. Love to see that, man. And, and same thing with Lecky Fotu, the two, you know, defensive linemen, defensive the defensive tackles that that went in the, in the draft. Uh, he played a role for for the Arizona Cardinals, and he's going to be key. Like he may not be a guy that puts up numbers, kind of like you know his experience at Utah. He's going to be key to the Cardinals' success on defense yeah. because he'll remi- just yeah he'll eat double teams, yep. man. He'll let Isaiah Simmons fly yeah. around, make tackles, and that kind of thing. But it's good to see these guys, and maybe even more so the guys that have been in the league for a little bit. Garrett Bowles, Sam Tibby, yeah. both of those guys had really strong debuts. I, I agree. Um, you know, playing offensive line, Garrett Bowles had a tough matchup against Jadavion Clowney, who's you know, considered one of the the best defensive ends in in the league, and then Sam Tevy really, really looked good. He looked like an actual, like a legitimate offensive tackle. He's kind of been just all over the place over the last few years, and I think you know the Chargers made a good coaching hired offensive line, and I think now you're, we're going to see Sam Tevy play really well over the next. Yeah, I hope so because he's yeah. got a great opportunity to lock down that left tackle both, spot. Both those guys just so yeah. athletic. And um, on the final, I know the Broncos didn't end up beating uh, the Titans in the end, but Melvin Gordon did score. He ran uh, ran it in for a, a touchdown late in the game, and I, I was watching both Melvin Gordon because he's on one of my fantasy teams and Garrett Bowles. 
Uh, and it was really unique and fun to see Garrett Bowles. Uh, he, he had a pancake on that play. Hey. Yeah, like on the goal line, you know, when you need to step up, make a play for your team, it was running to his left. Great. It was a stretch play to the left side. That's Bowles' side, and he was able to pancake. Marquise Blair had a forced fumble. Holy cow, he played great. Yeah. He was the talk of the town amongst the Seattle social media presence. Like, he... He looked great. He looked like he's going to be a, a force for them for sure this yeah. year. Yeah, 27 pro Utes right now, past and it. present. Uh, I shouldn't say past, but by past I mean like past Utah football players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like not just this this year. They're not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. stop talking. Uh, <laughs> hey, is there any recruiting news one bit? Uh, you know, so it's 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 an interesting time right now just because the NCA announced that the recruiting dead period is has been extended to January 1st, 2021, so through the end of the year. Kyle Whittingham has talked about that. Um, so for the most part, I don't think that we're it's going to be it's going to be I don't want to say kind of a I don't want to say letdown because it's not that at all. But it won't this season won't have the type of fireworks that we're used to kind of seeing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We won't have you know, guys coming in for official visits, the four- and five-star guys coming in for official visits like we've seen in the past. Um, but in terms of how Utah is doing on the, on the recruiting trail, we just, you know, Isaac Vaha is a kid, a tight end defensive end out of Pleasant Grove. Uh, Jeffrey Bosses, a safety that we've, we've seen and, and covered out there at Kearns. Both of these guys recently got their ratings bumped up considerably. They're looking like borderline four-star talents. And I kind of view both of them as Utah leans. Um, more so Vaha than Bossa right now. Boy, say that three times. <laughs> but but Isaac Vaha uh, appears to be trending towards Utah. I have had a crystal ball prediction at 24-7 Sports on him since the summer uh, in favor of Utah. Our national analyst, Blair Angulo, actually just put one in today while we started recording. Uh, and then Jeffrey Bossa recently announced a top three that included Oregon, Utah, and Oklahoma State. That one's kind of viewed as an Oregon-Utah battle. Uh, I give the edge to Utah ever so slightly, uh, so they're going to have to fight tooth and nail for him. Uh, but but Utah looks good for those guys. And then just, you know, I think Utah is doing a really great job you know, recruiting the local talent here in the state. There's a lot of talent. Yeah, there really is. I was up in, in Logan, yeah. Steve, uh, for Skyview and Green Canyon. Mm-hmm. And, boy, that's a drive. Beautiful drive. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful drive. But it is quite the drive. Um, uh, nonetheless. Anyway, there was a wide receiver, and I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. He plays for Skyview. He's, co- he's committed to Utah State right now. Uh, oh, I should know this. You should know this, and I should know it too because I was up there last I, week. I remember seeing his tape. He, man, was, he can play. Yeah, I was impressed. He he I'll could play, here. and and I think there's a chance. Well, certainly Utah knows of him. Yeah. Uh, I was actually texting with, with Coach Hill because uh, anytime I go to these high school games, I, I throw Coach Hill a bone. He's the closest college coach that I have, the guy that recruited me. Isaac Larson. Man, Isaac Larson can bowl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he can ball, and so uh, I, I was texting with Coach Hill. They love him at Weber, but he's uh, yeah, he's interested in Utah State right now. I, I think Utah should take a look at him and a pretty good look at that. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a DB uh, wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He'll probably play D, DB at the next level at college, and 
He is the fastest player on the field, and it's not even close. Really? It's not even close. And I asked him after the game, I said, have you stepped onto a football field this year and not been the fastest? He said, (laughs) nope. And it's not even close. Like, I'm telling you, he has breakaway speed that you don't see often. Yeah. Uh, certainly here in Utah, anyway. I mean, it right. is. It, it was fun to watch. That's impressive. I'll have to. I'll have to try to get up there and, and catch. You should catch a Skyview game. See this uh, Isaac Larson. Fella. That's a drive, man. I was I was up at the Weber game last week watching uh, Isaiah Moa, who is the son of Utah legend Ben Moa. Yeah. Um, he's a 2022 prospect, so he's a junior this year. Right. Uh, he looks great. He's being recruited as a defensive end, uh, outside linebacker. He's got a teammate, Cannon. De- DeVries, DeVries, I, th- I think, and I apologize if you're listening to that, Cannon, and I butchered your name, but he's a similar athlete. Britton Covey type of an athlete mm. where he's got speed, but he's got that like agility where yes. it almost like he accelerates when he changes directions. That's hard to do, man. Oh, good I've golly. tried to master it. I No, I, I just, I wish... <laughs> like that's all that I I do, but man, it's so fun to get out to these games. You've been, yeah. you know, out to these games every week, and it's fun to see the talent. You know, I'll, I'll be at Pleasant Grove and Corner Canyon this weekend. Pleasant Grove has a a lot of the talk belongs to Corner Canyon, and rightfully so. You know, they've got the the kids Jackson Dart, Noah yep. Care, Jackson Light. They've got a very talented squad. But Pleasant Grove, man, they've got a good team too. Isaac Vahu, I was talking about. Um, they've got the the Connors twins who are really, really talented. Um, and then they've got a couple other kids, a couple transfers from out of state. Uh, Darius Clemens, who's a four-star receiver, uh, came came to, to Pleasant Grove from, from Oregon, who's, who's just kind of balled out since he's been here. So it's fun to see all the talent in the state this year um, and just kind of see it rise to the top. It, it is cool, man. And uh, for those interested, Channel 5, KSL, we are headed to uh, Sky Ridge. There you go. This week. That'll be a good uh, one, man. Which will be fun. Who are they playing? I forget. American Fork. There you go. Yeah. American Fork are good, aren't they? Holy cow. They've got that quarterback, Maddox. Yeah. Oh, Maddox. Great Woo. fried chicken joint up north, Maddox. That too, man. Speaking of fried Woo. chicken, man. Have you been... So, quickly, have you been to Pretty Bird since I, the... No. Uh-uh. I, I think you about brought, it every day. Oh, my goodness. You brought it up. I hadn't thought about it for months until yeah. you brought it up just a couple of minutes ago. And my mouth is moist. I think about it every day, but I'm just scared to go downtown. I'm with you. How do you? We need to. We need to figure out how to make fried chicken at home. That's obviously not going to be as good as theirs because yeah. they have the technology that they use. They use like that this small. special. Oh man, it's oh. the seasoning for me that yeah, they put on it. Nashville. Oh, oh good <laughs> lord. Yes, please. All right. Uh, hey, <laughs> Nate Wade Super. This is where we're at. We love them. Uh, we hope you guys do as well, and they would uh, greatly appreciate any sort of service that you would be willing to give them if you're not comfortable coming down to the dealership uh, don't stress really don't stress at all natewade.com is their address you can head to there you can you can you can even take an at-home test drive man i mean come on zero percent apr financing up to 63 months on all new 2020 outbacks ascents forest's legacy and impresas um and they, if you do come down to the dealership though it is worth noting their lot is uh, it's empty. Like there are there are some open spots yeah. more so than I've ever. And I've been coming down here for years now. You guys know that. But uh, more more spots are open right now than I've ever seen before. And there's really simple reason be- behind it. They're selling more cars than they can get their hands on. So uh, nateway.com for more information. Just head on down uh, to the dealership if you're bold enough. It's twelve oh seven South Main Street, just a few blocks away from. 
downtown Salt Lake City. Steve, you're, uh, you've been kind of come on as you always are, man. I, I shot you a text like, hey, by the way, we're, uh, we're going to Nate Wade today at <laughs> 3. And I sent that at about 11 thing. And well, if he doesn't come, he doesn't come. We can record it tomorrow and pretend like we're at Nate Wade. Yeah. But he showed up. Hey, dog. I came through. I came through, man. Oh. Couldn't pass this up. Well, it's always we, good to be down here at Nate Wade Subaru. It is, and it's always good to hear your voice. We'll be back next week with hopefully more positive news, yes. Utah fans. How exciting. See you guys. Love you all. Bye. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.